welcome to episode 683 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Did I tell you that I was talking to someone who was like on, like talking to a salesperson or whatever? Uh, and as I was doing that, we were talking about potato chips while she was looking something up for the guy. And I was like, oh, he's like, I really like these Uts. And I'm like, oh, Uts are like, the, this brand is like the mid of, of uh, potato chips. And I go, what you want is the Uts kettle cook. They're the Lamborghini of potato chips. And he looked at me while he's on the phone. He goes, he goes, my sales lady's like crying on the other end of the phone. She was like, what? He's like, she's like, I've never heard anybody call anything the Lamborghini of anything. And that's the best she goes. No, that's a good one. That's fantastic. Yep. Oh, my goodness. You can't use it too much, right? No, I didn't like, you know, I didn't run around. It was just, just, I just hit him with it. You know what I mean? And it was like. You got, I didn't know she could hear, so. <laughs> you got comic book podcasts. You got podcast networks. What was it? A desk lamp? I don't remember. Yes. And potato chips. That's it. That's it. That's the list, as Kornheiser says. We, like, we got a fifth, maybe floating one. Right. Yep. If one of the other ones start to fall off a little bit, but once you start a second hand, mm-hmm. no, no moss. No moss. No, no, no. So, hey, let's talk about what we have on this show. You know, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Yep. Uh, So we have uh, two big uh, publishing opportunities that DC has coming in the near future. There's that word again. Right. And uh, we have an official hard date on the next Disney Plus Marvel show. And it's being disseminated to us in a very different way than any other Marvel show has ever been to us. Right. And it'll probably be here quicker than I realized. Yes. If only somebody notified you about this on a <laughs> weekly basis. Anyway. Um, conventions this weekend. The debut of our new segment. Ooh. What we read this past week, which is Traveling to Mars number nine and Batwoman or Batman Catwoman, the Gotham Wars Scorched Earth number one rolls right off the tongue. Doesn't it? What we're looking forward to coming out this week. Um, we're getting toward the very, very end of Todd and Joe have issues for 2023. As we read the first two chapters in Sandman Endless Nights and a discussion of the latest episode of Loki season two. Right. Penultimate episode, I believe? Uh, that's a great question. I'm 99% sure. Uh, yeah, I think uh, tonight as we speak, or this week as we speak, is the season finale. That's right, good. We're, at least we were prepared this time. Yes, exactly. Again, you know, I get confused. Sometimes these are six episodes. Sometimes they're eight episodes. Sometimes so- they're nine episodes. Everybody's got to stick to whatever, you know, right. it is. Sometimes they're further away. Sometimes they're closer. It's all right. You know? The dates get moved, all sorts mm-hmm. of things, right? Uh, so uh, just this week, uh, DC announced uh, a new uh, printing opportunity for the summer uh, called Compact Comics, uh, which is going to be smaller, much lower priced sell through collections of some of their greatest hits 
Right. Um, on the list, of course, is your Watchmen, your All-Star Superman, and then some more modern stuff. Right. Um, I was interested to see that the one of the Catwoman, uh, Darwin Cook, Ed Brubaker collections got thrown in there. Right. Um, American Vampire stuff. It, like, obviously, there's, you know, three or four different Batman ones. There's two Superman ones. You know, you got to play the hits, but I love this idea. Um, when this first popped up on my radar, I disliked it for a hot second. Okay. And the only reason was I heard small and like whatever, wherever I read it, it didn't have the the price tag in the, like the, the, the first like paragraph or whatever. So it's like, oh, smaller format. I'm like, oh, are we going to smaller format trades just so they could save a buck? Do you know what I mean? Like cut your paper size down. You don't have to pay. And then I saw what they're charging for like 12 issue runs of stuff. It's like nine 99. And I'm like, okay, now I really like this idea. This is a good cheap way to get people in. Like, you know, the, the whole thing we always said, where the walking dead first trade was nine 99 for like the longest time to get people in. Now, granted that was only six issues and it was regular size. But I'm down with it. Give them a you know a, a cheap taste of something, and you know manga size, whatever. Uh, I came around and I'm like, I really like this idea to give stuff out to people to to try. And I'm with you. You got your Supermans, you got your Batmans, you got you, you got your Brubaker stuff. Um, the one that I really like is the American Vampire one because that's got some Stephen King in the beginning yep. of it. And that was one of those books we talked about this years ago on that. I had multiple people who knew I was a comic book fan and were Stephen King fans and made me buy. I had to buy like five copies of American Vampire number one because people wanted it because they were Stephen King's Stephen King completists. So this will sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I really like the idea and what they're doing. And, you know, they're obviously going to be in comic book stores, and hopefully they put them in other sell-through locations, you know? Right. Um, obviously, mature themes on a lot of these things, so you got to be wary on which ones you put where you put ones, right? Right. Um, but this is a great idea. I love this sort of thing. It's one thing to give somebody, you know, we're the canaries in the coal mines in a lot of these books, you know? Mm-hmm. This year alone, um, you know, we could hang our hat on and say, go pick up marvel unleashed when that gets traded right Right. you know go drop the four dollars an issue on it whatever it was um where monsters uh lie go pick that up um go pick up the peacemaker series and i'm just saying stuff because it's our friend kyle starks but there's been other stuff that's been really you know good right go read green lantern you know yeah that we could recommend to people but the problem is like a four dollar price point for a single issue that's going to be four dollars a month for it that's no problem to us, right. but to like your regular non-regular comic book buying person, even if you're like a digital person, like I would under normal circumstances, like just have a copy of Watchmen on me at all times. Like right. I buy a copy of Watchmen. I have a Watchmen omnibus. I've bought the trade at least three times. Yeah. And I will buy this and I will probably just have it on my person all the time. And if comics come up, I would hand this to someone and say, read this. Yeah, like that was one of them that I would keep in my car. As, yeah. You know what I mean? It would be like, you know, five or six different things, like Walking Dead, Watchmen. It's like, what do you look at? Here you go. Try this. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to um, be a poor. You, you, we, we, as the readers, 
the longtime readers that have been here through the highs and the lows. You know, we got to be that front line to recruit new folks, if you will. We are the ambassadors of goodwill for comics. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I we, we certainly try, and that's really yep. all you could do. Um, now, I will say, you know, I can see this being a success. Um, you got to think Sandman's right around the corner. That's in wave two, right? Okay. If they're 12 issue runs, I don't know. For like, if that's the format for nine 99 for 12 issues, you're going to be ending in the middle of runs. Well, in the middle of storylines, they could probably fudge the numbers just a little bit. Right, they could they could reprint them the way they did when they put all the ones in the one, the single issues in the one thing, and drive me nuts. But it would sell books. So. Now I don't know. Like, listen, I don't know my Gazintas, and I don't know if, how it was um, published. But one of the things that is on here is the uh, Azarello Joker book, right. right? And that was like however many. So that was just a straight up graphic novel, like 128 pages. Mm-hmm. Okay, where Watchmen, on the other hand, is not 128 pages. That's a lot more pages. So okay. I'm I'm sure they could play fast and loose with that. Like Watchmen is 416 pages, according okay. to Wikipedia, the most trusted source for all comic book news. Right. Right. So obviously somebody's going to buy the the Watchmen, which is going to be this big, giant, thick thing for ten bucks, and you know, for half of the size of that is the Joker thing for the same price. Oh, okay. You know, I, I wasn't doing page count, but you get where I was going. So. I do get where you're going, but I, I definitely think that they could look at it as because, and again, there's the Wonder Woman Earth one that's by Grant Morrison. That was a previously released graphic novel. Hush's twelve issues. Um, the Harley Quinn and the Gotham City Sirens that's in here. I don't know what that is. Like, I think that might be something that was like, um. That was an ongoing, but I think it was only like 12 or 13 issues. Right. So it's just definitely going to be interesting, but I absolutely see Sandman being collected in some way, shape, or form in wave two of this. Right. And just as I'm looking at like the, the covers of these, right? Right. We have a couple of the covers here. And like Watchmen is considered a thriller. All-Star Superman is considered fantasy. Batman is considered mystery. Um the far sector which is like a green lantern story is considered science fiction so they are definitely trying to get these into this the novel section right of like your normal bookstore your bookseller your that sort of thing which is again is surprisingly forward thinking on dc's part i know now joe let me ask you a question what are the odds that all of these have no print in perfections, Joe? <gasps> the stakes. <sighs> Not great. Okay, so if they can make this fly, we'll have some, you know, we'll have some hope. But you see where I'm going, you know? I they have a track me. record, man. They do. Let's hope that these are much more let's 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 pretend that there's new people that were hired on. Right. The the people who had these new ideas are new people. Yes, there you go. Um so another DC thing that's coming up here um next month is it was solicited. It's Batman Santa Claus Silent Night number one. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a mini series that starts this December. 
uh, written by Jeff Parker, not Cool Hand Angelo. Um, art by Michelle Bandini, um, not the great Bandini want to <laughs> wrestle. Everything comes back to wrestling. Oh, I hate you so um, much. You know, obviously they're claiming that this is in continuity. This is bringing this iteration of Santa Claus into the DC universe proper. But it's going to have a scratch and sniff cover. Well, I can't wait to scratch and sniff it, Joe. Now, two things about this. <laughs> okay, um, I know. I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. Well, one... Uh, guess what the smell is? I know what it is, but go ahead. All right, it's candy cane because it's Christmas time, right? And two, I love the fact that the, in the press release for it, like in the announcement for it, it's a scratch and sniff cover, Todd. Right. But they're not calling it a scratch and sniff cover. Sure, I think it's probably copyrighted. But go ahead. <laughs> they're calling it a rub and smell. and first of all again good luck i would have paid the i would have paid the nickel so i could say scratch and sniff right right i think scratch sniff is trademarked but scratch and sniff is free game like capital s capital n capital s is trademarked but lowercase s Lowercase a, lowercase s, I think you're okay with, right? Right. But this just reminds me of the uh, Rub the Blood covers from the 90s. Uh, yes, yes. Um, Rub the Blood is what is the greatest variant, like, tr- gimmick cover ever created. That's all I'm going to say. But, uh, yeah, I, this is interesting. I, I guess you could tell maybe this is on my pool list, Joe. Yes. Um, and literally, I can't wait for CGC to get involved with this. Like, to literally <laughs> encase it and tell you how many sniffs are left in your issue. <laughs> it's on that stupid little thing that's on the paper. Right. Right? It's like a, a 9.9 sniffs, you know? It's So the book is a 9.8, but the sniffs is a 9.4. Right. Because the guy smelled it too, too many times. Yep. We could tell. He he was out there rubbing it too much, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, that's just issue one. They haven't said that if issues two or three or four are going to have similar uh, gimmicks. But it'll be very interesting to see how this one does. I assume that this is going to come polybagged. You know, to keep this keep as many <laughs> sniffs in as possible. Yeah, you wanna you wanna preserve those sniffs, Joe. That's right. If you like lose a sniff or two, what what are we doing? You right. know, I, I would even like to see them at the factory. The person who's like getting the book, I would like a video that accompanies my book of them putting the book in the bag. Right, with nobody having sniffed it since it let the, left the printing press. Exactly. That's right. One hundred percent. Right, from destination to bag to me. Right, 100% sniffed free, you know? Um, I will say this, I, whatever, scr- rub, and, rub and smell, scratch and sniff, it's pretty good. But did, it, it's not my favorite, maybe, of the ones I heard about recently. Have okay. you heard about the Justice League uh, Godzilla King Kong ones? No. That they're doing sound effect ones coming up? 
No, I didn't see that. Apparently, I've been uh, given the Iggy. I mean, it's, it's out there. that I don't know if they're going to work like, you know, cards when you open them, but they're going to have the monster sound effects. Are you and sure really that's like out them. there and not just you on the dirt sheets? No, because a certain uh, comic reviewer told me. A certain comic book reviewer. Right. I'm looking this up now, Todd, and I'm not seeing any sort of announcements of a uh, sound effect inside the comic itself. Maybe it's a variant cover. I don't know. Maybe mm. it's just the maybe it's the word bubble on it. But I thought they were going to make sound. Again, they could be, but I don't think that's uh, out there to the general populace just yet. So, uh, okay. Um, you said you you find a link and you tell me where to go. Um, Games Radar, uh, just write in in the uh, in in Google Justice League Godzilla sound effect, or I just put sound, and I found it, and it's the first one that comes up. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong is a real comic that includes actual monster t- sounds. Three Titans will clash this fall in a comic that includes actual sound effects. Um, let's see, because I don't want to talk about like what the story is about. Um, uh, let's see, as as well as several variant covers, um, including a pair of roar sound effects gatefold covers, which actually make the iconic roaring sound of Godzilla and King Kong when opened. Now, did this actually happen? No, because the books were out. But I don't know if they, like, added this later. But, like, the printing of the sound effects ones are coming later. And soon, though. You know what I mean? Not, okay. like, because one is out two weeks or so. But the uh, the uh, effect one isn't there. And I only heard about this since the last time we talked. So okay. and, I, and it slipped my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry to throw a monkey wrench into everything. No, it's Okay. I do ask. Well, anyway, um, that's interesting. I'm surprised I didn't hear more about that. Let's say. Um, I in except from hearing it and seeing it one or two times on X from certain people. Ugh. Um, I, I have not seen it anywhere where we get our news from. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so booping and booping, but go ahead. So last but not least. Um, after much delay and so on and so forth, we have an official date on the next Marvel Disney Plus show, and that would be Echo, spinning out of the last seasons of Daredevil? No, the last seasons of Hawkeye. Of Hawkeye. The, the last of the Christmas Hawkeye, you know? Y- yes. Um, so this was originally supposed to be the summer. It was originally supposed to be end of November. Now, it's the second week of January, but it's being released on Disney Plus and Hulu at the same time. Right. And all five episodes are being dropped at once. (sighs) How are we going to do this, Joe? (sighs) That is two months from now's problem to worry about. Right. Though, uh, I was shocked to see them, because I don't think, other than, you know, a couple episodes of anything, you know what I mean? Um... 
you know, to start out like Andor dropped the first three episodes, Scarlet Witch, Vision and Scarlet Witch dropped the first two episodes. Um, I don't think any of the Marvel or Star Wars shows did everything at once. Nope. So this is something new, and I wonder why they're doing I want it makes me wonder if because it's a lesser character. Do you know what I mean? And by lesser, I mean it's not a, a, a household name, some of the other ones, um, that they don't – they want to get it all out there because if people are more likely to watch it all in one week, like in one day if it's all there, then be like, oh, I tried one episode and it wasn't for me um, and I'm not waiting until next week, if that, if that makes any sense. Yep. So uh, I think uh, part of it is that it's only five-ish, five episodes. Right. You know, because again, listen, the difference between five and six is, you know, a lot to some people. Yep. Um, the fact that they're doing the cross-platforming with it, the fact that, and again, listen, it's Echo, who was a side character in Daredevil, who was a side character in Hawkeye. Not a huge chance if they put it out all at once and nobody bites it. You know, it's safe to say, like, probably not a lot of people are going to watch it in the first place, right? Yep. Right. Um, all that being said, like, I'll probably watch it. Whether or not I get a chance to watch them all in one sitting is another story. Right. Um, I'll say this. Uh, and I know, you know, we don't, you know, we're not, me and you aren't big on trailers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they said the Echo trailer came out. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the Echo trailer. Because, yeah, am I going to watch it? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. But it's not. Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, or it's not WandaVision. Um, so I don't know what I'm getting with Echo. Yeah. And I watched it. I watched the trailer, Joe. And I think I know why it's also... it's The trailer's brutal. One of the most brutal Marvel trailers I've ever seen. Oh, like um, people be- getting a whooping put on them brutal? Yes. Like there's a scene, and it doesn't spoil anything, where Fisk is just like, he meets young Echo. And th- we don't know why or who. There's a guy either running an ice cream cart or, or a hot dog cart or whatever. And Fisk just drags him into the alley and beats him to a pulp. And not like, yeah, it's kind of like the camera's looking up at Fisk while he's wailing on him. But every time he's wailing on him, he's in the white suit and he's getting more and more blood on him. And I'm and he's like putting the boots to this guy. And they show some other stuff of like some brutal fighting stuff. And it reminds me more of the Netflix Marvel shows than it does anything I've seen from this Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff of the TV shows. Just in the trailer, obviously. I don't get much. But brutal, Joe. That's what I'd like to hear. Right. So... Um, so, and, you know, obviously I think a little bit of that as well, um, wasn't there like delays with Daredevil, um, the Daredevil Born Again that that got moved back because they're like completely redoing it or something? Yeah, like new writer's room kind of a deal, I guess. Yeah. 100% because I don't follow all of that, but kind of it filters in, you know? Right, and like I said, you know, I I saw something today. It's like, oh, we're guaranteeing that the Blade movie is going to have an R rating. And I'm like, is a Blade movie coming out? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been, it was supposed to come out last weekend, Todd. Oh, my God. That was the original date of the Blade movie. Then it got moved to September of 2024. 
Then it got moved to February of 2025. Right. So all I keep track of is hard and fast dates. Right. I I can't go on writer's room stuff. I can't go on reshoots. I can't go on possible ratings. Give me a date. Tell me when this is coming out, and I'll decide if I'm going to be there or not. Yeah. Though I did make five bucks on Deadpool three being R, so that that's that makes me happy. I well, bet glad, our, I, I yeah. bet our definitive Colonel Sanders artist said it would be R, and he said it would. Marvel would never do it, and I made five bucks. But I, I, I'm I'm hoping that they do make a few R rated Marvel movies. You know, get to it. And again, that well, listen, we, we we didn't want to talk about it, but that could be the thing that's missing. As crazy as that sounds, you know, right. right. But who knows? That's not my thing uh, to worry about. That's somebody much higher on the pay scale than me that makes those decisions. Right. Uh, so, hey, let's talk about conventions this weekend, huh? Uh, we got two going on. We got the Motor City Comics Con in Novi, Michigan. Right. Uh, we got comic book folks there like Ryan Stegman, Tony Daniel, and David Finch. Uh, media types like David Harbour, Billy D. D. Williams, and Dan Spacehausen. Daniel Hausen. Yes. Um, if uh, if David Harbour's doing the, the rounds, Joe. Yes. Maybe we can get a Win- Winona photo op somewhere, hmm. and then we're firing up the chopper, boy. We've mentioned Winona Ryder being at conventions, I'm almost uh, positive, earlier this year. I don't think she ever was, to tell you the truth. Okay. But if she was, I'm surprised I wasn't there and or arrested. Well, I think that might be the reason why. Right. Um, Also this weekend in New York City is the Jewish Comics Experience. Mm -hmm. It was on the list of conventions. They're doing, like, a typical comic book convention. They're doing an award ceremony. And they got some big-name folks there. Um, Frank Miller's going to be there. Brian is going to be there. Paul Levitz is going to be there. And a rare East Coast appearance of Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, usually if it's, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, he's there. And I don't think he gets out to the East Coast much these days, so... Right. If you're going to be in New York, I don't know. That sounds like one to check out, right? I agree. Yeah. Um, But we'll have the links to all of these in the show notes, of course, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network uh, at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the network go live, uh, you will find out about them, of course, on their individual social media RSS feeds, sites, and so forth, but everything is compiled in one spot at soon to be named network.com. That includes this show. That includes Longbox Heroes After Dark. That includes Wings on Wings, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Hiya Bussy, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling. And anytime any of these folks go on any other shows, you'll find them here. I'm not going to promote new shows coming to the network until I have a proof of concept in my file. Oh, okay. But there might have been discussions tonight. I don't know. Right. Um, but you can also check out some of our other friends and the stuff that they're doing in and around uh, the world of comics and the internet. 
You can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog at HellionsTeam.com. You can go check out our friend Rick Williams at the Chop Shop, FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. You can go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter. You can buy that a la carte through his Indiegogo. And you can find out about Chris Runt's Battle Monsters over at FortressOfComicNews.com. You can go check out our friend Davey. At cavedomaincomics.com. He's got two self-published books there. Keeper and the brand new Mending. Go check out Davey. He's also a musician, a multi-talented person. And he's also uh, a very pouty-faced boy on social media. So Right. Also known for tattoos. That's Of all the things that he wants to be known for, that's one of them. Yes. Um, and also, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area, or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area... Let our comic book shop be your comic book shop, Comics on the Green. We have their social media linked up, their Facebook page. That's where Dave and the crew let you know when the books are in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, if things are going to be late. We're in the Northeast. It's getting into uh, holiday season, winter season. There could be delays. Before you leave your house to go pick up your books, find out from the Facebook page. And hey, you can sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. Then you don't have to worry about making the trek all, trek all the way up to beautiful downtown Scranton, like I do. Right. Uh, and it's time for the debut of our new segment on the show. We're going to turn the show over to our good friend Becky, and she's going to tell you all about it. Welcome to my trip down Lois Lane, where I review the best and brightest of the Silver Age Lois Lane comics. Today, we're going to start with issue number five. It is from 1958. It is my personal favorite, and it's called The Fattest Girl in Metropolis, so let's dive in. It opens with a panel of Superman carrying a Rubenesque woman and complaining to her that he's used to carrying a slim and sunder Lois Lane. Keep in mind, this is the same Silver Age Superman that carries tanks, trains, whatever Jimmy Olsen has accidentally unleashed upon the city this week, whatever Lex Luthor can dream up, but I guess a 200-pound woman's where he draws a line. Lois is driving home one night and she sees a murder. Instead of calling the police and telling them about it, she decides that the assailant is just too average. She couldn't possibly describe him and continues about her merry way. The next day at the newspaper, Perry tells her he needs her to go and review a scientist's new growth ray. While there, she's accidentally hit with the growth ray and tells the doctor she feels too tingly and the doctor tells her, eh, don't worry about it. That's for plants, not for humans. You'll be fine. The next day she wakes up having gained significant weight and instead of grabbing a moo-moo and a drinky bird and just having him do the work for you, she decides that if Superman sees her like this, he possibly won't want to marry her and runs out into the street. She finds two women of similar size in a car and asks if she can join them. When she gets in, the wheel pops off, the car breaks down, and Superman appears. He tells the women that due to their excessive weight, he's going to have to carry them one at a time to the garage. Again, this man lifts tanks and trains. Lois decides that she can't possibly live like this and does what every sane woman does and decides to crash diet, excessively exercise to the point of exhaustion, and sit in one of those saunas with her head popping out, but the weight isn't coming off. The only way to drown her sorrows is to go to a local circus where the ringmaster at the entrance asks her if she would like to audition to be the, the fattest girl in Metropolis and be a freak sideshow. 
She goes into a house of mirrors where she can see her slim and slender previous appearance. And while she laments about it, the murderer, who also happens to be hiding out at the circus, sees her reflection, realizes that that's the woman who didn't report him for looking so average, and begins to attack her. Superman shows up, arrests the guy, and then tells Lois that he knew she saw this murder... He told the scientist to hit her with the growth ray and then let her be miserable for an entire day to keep her safe from gangsters. Lois is obviously very outraged, as I would be too. And he tells her, ah, don't worry about it. The doctor has a shrink ray. He'll hit you with it. You'll be fine tomorrow. So the issue ends with Lois making Clark take her to get something to eat, eating an entire buffet and making him pay for it. The... (laughs) This is from 1958. The sad part about this is there was a letter in the letter columns later on, because I read all of those, about a woman who read this issue, got so self-conscious about how she looked, and then dieted to the point she lost 15 pounds, and thanked the comic for doing this for her. If you're asking yourself, where can I read these? Unfortunately, they don't reprint them, because as you can see, they are quite... They're not 2023 friendly. If you happen to find one on eBay, I highly suggest picking it up or using an app where you can read it online. I'll see you next week for even more shenanigans of Lois Lane. This is something that's been kicking around for a while. Thank you for Becky for taking time out of her busy day. Um, You know, those comic books, that era, that style of books is something that she's very passionate about. Um, and she does have an outlet online for it, but we decided to give her a little bit more of an outlet here on the podcast. Yeah, doing doing a great job. She's like a big fan of those. And uh, like you said, you could see her like putting it out on certain social medias, discussing them. So it got kicked around. You know, we talked about it and I'm glad, you know, she just she decided to do it the way she wanted to do it. You know, um, so uh, it's kind of funny. And I look forward to to more to more issues. Joe. <laughs> yes. And you can uh, follow Becky on social media. We have it all linked up in the show notes. Uh, She's a very accomplished artist. She's got commissions. Uh, She's got prints for sale. She's got all sorts of stuff that she does. And, you know, sometimes you might even see some of her sketches on some of the packages that go out from Comscon on the Green. But like I said, all this is linked up in the show notes. Thank you again, Becky. Hope to hear more of these in the near future. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Where would you like to begin? I'd like to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Traveling to Mars, number nine, by Mark Russell, art by uh, Roberto Melli. Um, Roy, who's the, the 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 man traveling to Mars in the title, um, gets there, and the, he's greet last issue is greeted by the robots, and they end up telling him that it was all a lie, and uh, he he's just shocked and dismayed. And he's like thinking about the future of the people because Mars was supposed to be their their kind of last hope. And basically, it's a discussion of the like the main robot whose name is Vera um, wants an answer as to why like they go through the long and short of it, their life on Mars since they were left there, all these rovers and stuff and wants to know about their existence. And it ends up, you know, paralleling man's wanting to know why he was put here on earth and all that stuff. And this is a like, I love this series and it's a series about regrets, but this is a very powerful issue about like even just like robots trying to think about their place 
in the world and there's some bits of like Roy like paralleling his stuff with theirs and he thinks back uh, to a hurricane that hit and his uh, girlfriend at the time later on his ex-wife there's a bit where she's talking about one of the kittens that they didn't end up saving from the past issue and discussing how like the kitten was only on the world for a short time and just what did it think of this world in that short time? And like, to me, th- th- that is one of the most powerful scenes in a comic that I've read in a long time. It kind of, you know, choked me up. And then like kind of in the end, just this one line kind of sums it up for me. Like, because they're talking about we're the robots gods. Cause we created them. And Roy just says, people don't really believe in God so much as they hope for a witness to their suffering and because you know we're discussed the sufferings of both robots and humans in this and i'm like that is one of the most poignant and on the nose uh sentences i've ever read in my entire life um i think there's only two more issues in this and i love this run joe so much it's a great book um you know obviously the the last issue we walked we danced around a little bit we wanted to like not give it away but been time in between the issues so i felt comfortable of course discussing it here that he was sent on a wild goose chase right whether it was intentional or not that the robots did this to get a human and he is here to answer for the sins of all of humanity it's a heavyweight brother yeah um, so Roy is the one that has to answer to the robots as to why, but he's no different than the robots. You know, he was sent there for the same purposes that the robots was sent there. So now the issue ends with Roy having to make this decision of what does he do next? Right. The robots have been living here this whole time waiting for this moment, waiting for a human to arrive so they could ask that human who in their mind is the one that's been sending them. Why? Why have you forsaken us? Yes. And Roy does not have that answer. No. And I love the dike, like the, the, the thing where we basically literally made them in our own image. It's so good. Yeah. This book is really good. Now, Todd, you had mentioned that uh, when you spoke to the artist at New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. he had informed you that you should email him after you've done reading this issue. No, after I'm done reading the whole series. Oh, the whole series. I thought it was how, after this issue. Okay. No, how it ends. You know what I mean? How, how He wants to know. I'm sorry. I thought I explained that correctly. No. Um, that whether or not we, we stick, he sticks the landing on the whole series. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I, I misunderstood. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is a book that like, you know, it's still out there. You can find it. I think the first trade just came out recently, if not already out, you know, they should do a manga version for nine 99 <laughs> of the whole thing when it's done. Yep. Yep. For sure. Uh, so the other book that I was looking forward to coming out this week, and I think you read as well. Yes. Yes, I did read it. Um, and that is Batman Catwoman, the Gotham war skirt scorched earth. Number one. Mm-hmm. And it says in the cover, the shocking conclusion to the Gotham War. 
and this is co-written by Chip Zdarsky and Teeny Howard, uh, respective writers on the Batman and Catwoman books, uh, with art by Mike Hawthorne and Nicola Simgesta. Simgesta? Sure. So I was looking forward to this book because they were kind of ramping things up in regards to Batman and Bruce kind of losing it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're going to see some big moments. We're going to see, like, Batman, like, crack or go off the deep end. And the rest of the Bat family is going to have to be there to pick up the pieces. And we didn't get that. Right. What we ended up getting was Vandal Savage trying to get a meteor to crash into the Earth so that he could get more of that meteor to live forever. Right. Okay. So it's almost as though everything that was going on in the Gotham War with what Catwoman was doing, which was teaching old goons, like, not to hurt anyone, to steal from the rich, um, you know, not just steal arbitrarily, not to work for all the other supervillains and stuff like that. And her way was working, but it was still people robbing, so it was this big dilemma. So the end of the story definitely was not what I'd hoped it would be. I would hate to say that it was a bit of a disappointment because I do trust Chip Zdarsky and there is a little, like there's a post main story thing, I guess. Like if this was a movie or if this was a TV show, there is a post credit thing that happens, I guess. Right. An epilogue, if you will. There you go. An epilogue. And that kind of sets up what the next big story arc is going to be. And that's not my place to spoil that. Mm -hmm. But you know, obviously Vandal Savage had been in this story since the beginning, and Scandal Savage had kind of infiltrated uh, Catwoman's gang, and she was almost like Catwoman's right-hand woman. But this ending kind of felt flat to me. Um, I'm 100% with you on that, though I may be a little more uh, scathing on it. But okay. uh, f- first of all, I did not read the Catwoman issues. So that may be on me. You need them, whatever. But as I read this issue, I was very confused on certain aspects because I didn't read the whole crossover, which I do think, you know, even though you are doing a crossover, you should do a better job of bringing me up to speed. If I'm only reading the one book, you know, um, but okay, that may be on me, but I'm with you. Like the whole Vandal Savage, that the meteor that made him immortal and other people immortal over the years maybe has something to do with the Lazarus pit, blah, blah, blah. I was, I was kind of like bored with all that. And then you made some assumptions along the way that maybe they were going to go. Like they made a lot of choices. And in the end, like that choices that should change the direction of Batman books from here on out. And then in the end, it was like, oh, we fooled you. That didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like with the one person who kinds of try to save the day and I'm like, oh, they're going to do that thing. And it's like, nope, everything's, everything's fine. Everything's fine all across the board. And I just went, yeah, you set up a lot of like tense moments just to go, nope, got you. And like, you know, wink at me. And in the end I was like, I love Chip Zdarsky's Batman. Um, I don't read Teeny Howard's, you know, Catwoman, but I'm going to keep reading Batman. I just felt this, hamstrung the momentum of a lot of really good Batman stories. 
Yeah, and the, the fact that the whole Bat family was in it, but the Bat books that I read had nothing to do with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And there was a big deal with Red Hood in there, and I feel okay in talking about this, and Red Hood is probably, like, my least favorite member of the extended Bat family. Okay. Uh, I could take or leave Jason Todd. And in an attempt to get Jason Todd out of this life, Batman tries to do the Zor and Ah stuff to him. Right. And it doesn't work out. And they go a little bit deeper into that in the Catwoman and the Jason Todd two-issue thing. Like, I bought the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then they do a bit where here's this thing that happens in in the Catwoman book, but then here it is from like a different perspective in the main book, and here's that same thing in the Jason Todd book, and then like oh to find out more about what's going on to this, get this issue of the Joker storyline that's going on currently, right? Nope. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I, I gave you so much to get Catwoman. And, you know, it's a Batman crossover that's not crossing into over, uh, crossing over into any of the other Bat books I already read. So I'm picking, picking up two extra books a month. The thing is almost over. This wasn't announced ahead of time. You're throwing the Joker in here last minute. You, I, again, I'm looking forward to the issue that comes out this week. But is it the, mo- is it the thing that I'm most looking forward to coming out this week? Could be. Well, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with one correct guess. And because I started the show, I go first. Let me go look at Todd's slender read of a list of books. Mm-hmm. Right. It can go one of two ways. I'm going to guess the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Marvel Unleashed number four. It is Marvel Unleashed number four. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at your list and it's more bloated than your ankle. Um, I'm going to say it's also Marvel Unleashed number four. It is Marvel Unleashed number four. Yes. Uh, the, the finale to the book um, for some reason, the finale is coming out two weeks after um, the three the <laughs> the issue three. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know how things get scheduled like this. You know, some people get a nice cushion of six weeks in between issues and then they don't have to have a fill in artists, whatever. All right. Um, I, I will say, Joe, I'm slipping on my pool list and books and stuff. Yes. Um, because this week, uh, I didn't have you ended up putting it down, but uh, the Enfield Gang Massacre came out this week. And I forgot to put that on my list. And if, like a, a month ago, I forgot to like, let's just say I'm forgetting to put books on my list like every at random points when I send it in. And then I'll be like, okay, I, I'll put it on again in a month and I'll get it. And I'll be like, I don't understand why this book doesn't make any sense. And I'll look, oh, I don't have Newborn 11, but I have Newborn, Newborn Burn 12. Joe, my faculties are slipping really bad. So I don't know how much longer we'll be doing this podcast. Well, forever. Um, okay. N- number one. Number two, do you need me to do your pull list for you? 
Because I will. Um, I know a lot of my my pull list, but I miss books when they when it's time to like because I write them down and I email them to our retailer and I'm like, oh, this is my list this week. You know, I've I've given you my list already, but I'm making it easy for you and I forget to do it. So I may have to like recruit you. All right. Um, but you telling me I'm doing this podcast forever. I don't like people just walking around telling them how they're going to do their podcast and for how long. Don't like that, Joe. Uh, weren't you also supposed to help me last week uh, figure out where those three JSA solo books are supposed to go? Yeah, but I think you tried to move me along too fast. You know, you're known for that. So No, I, you didn't even bring it up. I know, and you didn't bring it up either. So I forgot. I forgot. I'm bringing it up now. How am I supposed I, to organize them? Um. Okay. Now, there's a few questions that I have. So I have this, the Sandman. I, I got the Sandman, the Alan Scott, and the Jay Garrett. Um, now you're asking, do you put it with your JSA stuff? Like I would put, because, um, uh, who's the writer who did the Jay Garrick? He did the, uh, his, it's Adams. His name is Jeremy Adams, Jeremy Adams, because I have a flash run written by Jeremy Adams. I put that with that because I equate that to like, it kind of fits into his run, even though there's a new writer. Um, are you getting any of the, like, you're not, you didn't get any of the Jeremy Adams flash, right? I did not. Okay. So, um, I would put yours, if you have room in these boxes or whatever, your JSA run. I don't think your Sandman should go with your Midnight Theater Mm -hmm. because this feels more like, uh, mainstream, uh, superhero stuff than Vertigo stuff, if you get my meaning. So you could put it with that, unless you want to, unless you want to separate them and put them with your green, any Green Lanterns you have, any Flashes you have, and any Sandman you have. But I think they should just go with your JSAs to make it easier. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm a sense making guy, Joe. Yeah. Uh, so it, initially, when the uh, Sandman one came out, that's where I had it. Um, penciled in to go in with the JSA books. Right. And then when the J- the the Jay Garrick Flash book came out, I'm like, oh, I already have Flash books. Shouldn't the Flash book go with the other Flash books? Right. And then the Green Lantern book came out, and I'm like, well, shouldn't the Green Lantern book go with the other Green Lantern books? Well, now do I got to move the Sandman books with Sandman Mystery Theater stuff, because that's the character. But again, these are all current day JSA stuff. It's probably going to spin. It's going to, you know, it's it's related to the current JSA book if that ever comes out again. I'm sure whatever's going to come out after that is going to somehow be tied into these three books. So that makes sense. Thank you. Right. No problem. Uh, so um, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and of course the current ongoing Todd and Joe have issues. Where we're getting to the very end here of Neil Gaiman's run on Sandman. Uh, we are looking at the first two stories in the original graphic novel Sandman Endless Nights, uh, talking about death and desire, respectively. And I'm going to turn things over to Todd. This is the part of the show where I get to say, yeah, a bunch. Right. Um, before we start, because I can't remember if you told me or not. Did you ever read this Endless Night collection? Yes. Once. Okay, you once. Okay. I didn't read it. I probably read it more than once, but not many because uh, I was looking forward to this when it actually came out 
And uh, I did find out that the they did do a special for like a couple bucks. It was the one story, and I thought it was the death because that's the one that kicks this off. But it was the uh, dream story that like you could get the dream story in full in the special and have a new Morpheus story, um, and that was kind of the the taste to get you into this. But uh, this was once again something I was like, ooh, each of the endless uh, one story for each seven. I'm all over it. So the first story is obviously, like I said, about death, uh, art by P. Craig Russell. Um, and it flip flops back between this, uh, Lord who's like in, in like, in like olden times. And he's, you know, living with all these people on this Island in a villa. And it kind of starts out really weird, um, where he's talking about the way he wants to die. And it kind of happens like in a weird, like vertigo way. Um, and how he's discussing every day is the perfect day. Um, and we see him again, like this count, this Lord, and he's, you know, as we go back and forth in the story, he's alive again. And, uh, it's just random things about them. Like, you know, with religion and being, you know, punished by the, the, the monks and, you know, all the, the, the debauchery that they have in the, 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 the course of a day. Um, and like they, they, he bans the color black because there's something about it he doesn't like. It's just, it's just really weird. And this intertwines with a young man who's in Venice in current day. And he's there and he's, you know, he was in the, in the, the military and everything. And he's walking around, you know, wrecking people's opportunities as they're trying to, you know, bilk people out of their money. Um, and he ends up remembering when he came to this area years ago with his family. Um, and he went to the place in this little Island that has a villa. Maybe it's the same one. And he goes in with his family place, hide and seek. And he ends up coming to this gate and he ends up seeing death. And she, he ends up talking to her and he's like, she's like, I'm waiting for that gate to open. He's like, why don't you just kind of jump the wall or go around. And like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Maybe if I go there, I'm not where I was. It's very like vague. And she ends up, he ends up trying to open it, but he can't. And he's kind of enamored with her and he can't figure out like why she speaks his language and, you know, knows his name. Um, but he comes back years later and she's still sitting there. He's all grown up. And, He's basically like, I came back. Like I, I, I was wondering, do you like, do you just live here and kind of, kind of talks with her, but he ends up kind of, you know, establishing, uh, his life. I'm sorry. There's a bit where he talks about, he, he met this girl and he went off to the army and the army was his life. And he's like, I wonder if I would have stayed with her if, uh, you know, I hadn't constantly been enamored with this young girl at the gate whose death he kind of fell in love with her. And that's kind of why he goes back. She's like, well, a lot of people have come here, um, but not many have ever like come back. She's like, oh, yeah, well, I remember trying to open the gate. He's like, do you want to try it again? And he ends up doing it. And in his thing, he discusses like he takes every ounce of anger he's ever had out on this gate and it opens up for him. And they go in. He's like, where are we? She's like, we were not where. It's a win. It's, you know, uh, in 1751. And she basically ends up walking through. And all these people who are immortal start dying. And as she's going, she's like, this person died this way. This person died that way. You know, back on this date. And we end up finding out that this Lord ended up do- make doing some magic and having the perfect day forever. 
but everybody kind of gets their comeuppance and she ends up coming to him and saying like, you know, it's time, you know who I am. And he's like, yes, I do. I've missed you very badly. Um, and she ends up taking him uh, and all the people in the villa and this soldier just kind of wakes up and he remembers, you know, kind of all his life, like uh, killing people. And maybe that's kind of why he's, touched with her um it's an interesting little death story it's not close to my favorite um but it's it, it's good and pete Riggs russell uh art is fantastic and i do like uh death with a pixie cut i never thought i would like that joe i was gonna say last week we talked about how i did not like um chris Bacallo's design in the 9-11 book with the ferris right. wheel Right. Um, but I really like um, P. Craig Russell's design of death here with the pixie cut. Right. And I do like his uh, uh, gala ball version of death, too. Yes. Um, with, like, the Bride of Frankenstein hairdo. Um, kind of beautiful. You know, P. P. Craig Russell can do no wrong. Uh, so. there's, a, there's a lot of good bits in this uh, with our lead character, the military guy. Um, with the interaction that he has with like the street vendors, right? Um, about the the scams and opportunities that they're running. Um, when he finally breaks down the gate and he and Death go into the party, this you know thing that's kind of hold off and untouched by time. Um, you know things do get a little racy, and I'm like, oh boy, hopefully I don't see anything more racy than this reading this book. Um, but uh, I thought this was like. Not the best death story, as you say, but definitely a great, um, I, I think this more solidifies Neil always really wanting to get over how people fall in love with death. Yep, I didn't want to bring it up yet again, because I do it every time. This, I think this is the maybe most ham-fisted one of them all, yep. and I always love that any time that you have some sort of interaction like this, like our lead character had, with any one of the Endless, it's always while you were sleeping. So Morpheus is always involved, no matter what member of the Endless you're uh, interacting with, you know? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so now the next story is Desire, written by Neil Gaiman, art by Milo Minara. Yes. Um, who you might remember from that that uh, that cover, from that Spider-Woman cover that everybody seems to remember. Um, but I've always big, been a big Milo fan um, for his stuff, and his stuff is definitely going to work for a Desire book. Um, and this is the story of a young girl named Kara, I believe is her name. She's in this, like, you know, medieval village kind of a deal, and she's talking about how there's this young braggart, uh, you know, that every woman in the village loves. And she kind of liked him, and her sister's like, I... You you did like him, and she's like, yeah, eh, maybe you can't say that because you know he's he's been with everybody in in the in the the group, and he's pretty much would you say he's pretty much Conan in this Joe, like the best at everything, he's the best killer, the best this, a ladies man kind of a deal. So even though he's not, I always get the feel that Conan is immortal. He's not, but I definitely get that right. feel from him. And I don't get the feel that this guy is mortal or immortal, but I definitely th feel that he is like peak male masculinity. Right. So she ends up actually falling for his charms at one point. But then once that happens, his 
want for her is gone, let's say. Like, he's off to the next conquer, you know? Um, so he tells, she tells the sister that she went to uh, the local witch to, you know, see about something. And I like that she asks, like, you know, are you here for a, a, a love potion? She's like, I don't want one of your love potions because I know they don't work. And he's like, you know, I like that the witch kind of, you know, gives up the ghost and goes like, yeah, they don't work, but they do give the, you know, they, they, they work as a mask, like a placebo, that they give the person a bit of confidence to, like, make the first move or look or touch or smile. And I'm like, that's a that's a pretty smart, you know, bit. And she's like, well, I want him to want me as much as, you know, him to want me as much as I want him. It's like, well, I can't do that, but I know there's someone who can. They're like, man or woman, like both. Um, you'll you'll kind of know who they are when you run into them with, uh, they'll have gold eyes. So obviously she's talking about desire. So while she's doing her things, like this braggart's father is the, the chief of the, the village, and he goes off to talk to their neighbors to like do a peace accord and the son goes off to do something else. Um, and the people kill the chief and cut his head off and send it back. And she feels bad. So she's going to go tell the, the son, the braggart that, uh, that his father's dead. And she like makes herself kind of, you know, manly to go out into the, into the world. And she ends up running into desire who has, uh, the golden eyes that we discussed. And I think that's a great bit. Milo's art in this and the coloring when Desire shows up and just the, the, the close-up shot on Desire's eyes is beautiful. We, we don't like need to guess who that is. Um, and she ends up talking to her and she's like, you know, I want, you know, I, I, I want this guy. And what do you want? And he's like, you know, uh, and basically she's like, ah, you know, I like the line from Desire where she goes, most people want things like a candle flame flickering, shifting. You, on the other hand, want like a forest fire. Um, and she basically says, you know, getting what you want and getting like being happy are two different things. She's like, I know that. Will you give me what I want? She's like, nope. She's like, so what will you give me? She's like, a smile and save you a few days travel. She goes, but now you're mine. You're marked as Mayan. And she's like, oh, well, what do you want from me? She's like, everything. What else is there to want? So she ends up going to the next village over and finding the son. And she ends up telling him of what happened and bring, like, brings him home. And along the way, you know, he's like, oh, it's a long trip. And he makes his move again because there's no other choices. And she ends up resisting him. And, you know, this goes on for a little bit. And we see over the course, like, he tries no, you know, and that's something that makes somebody want something even more is the no. Um, and she finally, you know, wears down and she ends up accepting his offer of marriage and they get married. And then he has to go off and do what like his, he's the chief now and his father. So he's going to go off and do some things. And while he's gone, these strangers come, these, these people come to the gate. She lets them in. Their custom is we have to, you know. Be gracious to people, so come in and we'll feed you. And they end up coming in, and they're like, they end up pulling her husband's head, severed head from a from a bag, and she does not acknowledge it. And she ends up, you know, offering them food, offering them wine, and flirting with one after another, but never giving in to one too much, just enough to you know, kind of tease them. And they're like, 
that that's the the guy's wife, right? Like, yeah, he's she, she has the thing that 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 you know of the my dead brother that they avenged her the father's death and everything, and I don't know what it is. And she pr- proceeds to distract them with making them do feats of strength for her and stuff like that. Um, and in the end, it was just to to distract them enough until the men could come back and slaughter all these guys. And she ends up, you know, burying her husband and she's sad. And then it just jumps forward into the future where she talks about how like she missed him. She didn't want another man until years later. She took another man and had kids for no other reason than she couldn't think of a reason not to. And she just waited and grew old and like watched her kids grow. Um, and she just remembers the one true love that she had, the one husband and the, the person with golden eyes. And she kindly, as she's dying, remembers that, you know, something burned like a forest fire. Um, beautiful, beautiful looking issue. And I think of any of the desire stories that we had, we've discussed that the desire stories don't always work. I think this is the best one because she desire they uh, desires in it for a hot second, and then the rest of the story is about love. And I think that's where it shines because desires not a great character. <sighs> I, I got nothing else to add. This okay. is a beautiful book. It's a beautiful story. Um, the, Milo Minar's art, you know, is fully on display here. Um, throughout the course of the story, desire appears on two pages. Right. Desire is the catalyst to move our lead character from not knowing what they want in life to being assertive and demanding in their, in their own life, giving them agency that perhaps they did not have before, um, giving them direction. And isn't that what we all want? And, you know, that's, you know, very much on the nose. Um, but this is probably the best desire solo story. There's not a lot of them, but right. this is by far the best one. Right. And I do like earlier on in the story, uh, when, when, uh, the main character is talking to desire, like desire brings up the brother and she's like, he talks stories. My brother, let me tell you the plot of every one of his damn stories. Somebody wanted something. That's the story. Mostly they get it too. And I'm like, that's not far off. But like you said, desire's only in it for, you know, that little bit, but how many Sandman stories did we get where Morpheus is just a passing fancy, if you will. And sometimes that's the, what you need for that story. And like I said, I'm not going to say this is the best Sandman related story ever, but I was like, all right, a a really good desire story. That's it for sure. So next week uh, we'll be taking the next two chapters in endless night. And that would be stories focusing on dream and despair. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing the dream one. Cause I don't remember how much you remember about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'll say I read this once and you know, I had a little time today and I may have had, I may have had the uh, Todd and Joe have issues post ready to go for this week. So I did get to peek, and I'll be honest with you, peeking at it, not much was uh, not much in my memory was sparked. Okay, good, because I want to get your fresh remembering of this. All one. right. Um. So hey, uh, ESPN Pickums, it makes me sad to look that there were people that gave up after like week two. 
Uh, it's sad to see that people had forgotten after like week six or they just randomly forgot whatever. Um, and I'm also sad that I've fallen down to sixth place. Woe is me. Yep. You're, well, I think what I'm one, like you have one more win than me. So I'm, I'm within striking distance at least. Right. Even it's the, the way that it works is like, I'm in sixth, but there's so many other people tied for sixth and Todd's in 12th. And there's so many other people tied for 12th. It's literally the difference of like one correct guess over the other. And it just completely turns the tide. Yes, it does. So hopefully this week your methodology will fail and my love of football and knowledge will prevail. Yes. How's that working out for you in other soon-to-be-named network-related football things? I beat Ronald two legs this week. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't even go get Taco Bell. I felt so good in my win. I didn't have to because the the, the, the win tasted so good, Joe. <laughs> Uh, if you know Adam puts the tweet out every week in the standings of uh, our soon-to-be-named network brethren and the uh, fantasy football deal that they're doing, it'll be much more fun next year when me and Ed are in it. You know? Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine your knowledge. <laughs> your knowledge is is profound, Joe. Yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, uh, if you want to support the show, there's lots of ways that you could do so. Uh, of course, you can purchase uh, anything from our store. And by anything, I mean a shirt, a pin, or a sticker with our fancy logo on it uh, by the aforementioned definitive Colonel Sanders artist himself. Uh, shoot me an email. We'll work something out. I'll get I'll get you a good deal. I know a guy. Uh, you could also head over to our Tee Public store where you can get more designs inspired by this show, by After Dark, by... Final Wrestling Place by We Need Wrestling by Add Odds with Wrestling. And it's the T Public sale going on starting on Thursday, running until Sunday, 35% off. Uh, November is a big sale month over at T Public. Uh, I think I saw an article that there is no bla- more Black Friday. It's just like the entire month of November is everything's on sale. Good, good. And of course, uh, you can make you can also support us by making any and all of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You could use this affiliate link at any time you want to buy anything on eBay and support us at the same time. Yeah. Uh, the most important way, the, my favorite way that you could help us out is by signing up for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Heroes. As little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. That would be uh, Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previous catalog. We just recorded uh, November 1993, this past weekend. And, of course, this year for movies, we're doing comic book oddities, where we're looking at some of the stranger, less remembered, poorly remembered, pre-Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe movies. We just did Howard the Duck last month. We're getting ready to do Barbed Wire next week. And I say these dates, maybe you don't have these shows yet. Well, that's probably because you're not at the $5 level. You're at the $5 level. You get these shows two weeks before everyone else, and... You get After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to the shows in the correct listening order, and maybe you already know what we're doing for Todd and Joe of Issues for 2024. That's because you pay $5, and you got After Dark before everyone else. Yes. 
Uh, also, uh, any level that you're at, you're going to get the full scans of the preview catalogs that we have going all the way back to 1990. Even if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast, they're not day and date. Sometimes we talk about them here on the show, which I'm about to do. But think about when you started reading comic books. Go back and look at some of the covers of the issues and say, I remember that comic. And pull up that preview catalog and just flip through those scans, expertly done, professionally grade, and just... You know, just let that nostalgia wash over you as you're looking at the 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 old previous catalogs, right? Here, here. So uh, it was mentioned to us by one of our listeners, a uh, friend of the show, Mike Sterling, when it had come up on the previous edition of Previewing the Past for October 1993. Um, we had talked about a Sequest comic book, right? Right. And uh, Mike Sterling had mentioned that the second issue never came out. Word of the time was Roy Scheider was upset that they even published one. No idea if that's true, but number one is all we got. So we're doing November's previewing the past. And I see they already have issue three solicited. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I was told issue two doesn't even come out. And there's, it's, they're soliciting uh, issue three. So I look at the writer and the writer is a gentleman by the name of D.G. Chichester. A writer, I will admit, before we even did previewing the past, I was unfamiliar with. A majority of his um, comics work was on Daredevil, and it was before I started reading Daredevil. I know Todd will have you believe that Daredevil was a cr- character created just within the last ten years by Mark Wade, but that is incorrect. Right. So I'm like, oh, I'm sure DG Chichester is on uh, Twitter, so let me tweet at him. And I asked him if he had any memories of writing the Sequest comic for Nemesis, the publisher, back in the <laughs> 90s. Right. And he says, oh, yes, fun book, until Roy Scheider threatened to quit the show unless we canceled the comic. <laughs> well, myth <laughs> confirmed. And I said, thank you so much for the confirmation on that. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw this out here. He says, um, I've been looking to correct, um, you know, on my Substack." And this kind of gave me the impetus to put some more some more of my stories up on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go check out uh, DG Chichester's st- Substack. It's storymaze.substack.com. Right. He's been in the comic industry for over 40 years. He's actually getting a little bit of a resurgence because his era of Daredevil is at its 30th anniversary. So he's doing some like tales from that era of Daredevil currently at Marvel. So definitely check that out. Um, It's definitely a blind spot for someone like me, who's been reading Daredevil comics for the better part of the last 25 years. And his era is just an era that's not really collected, not really, you know, talked about because his era gets followed by, the Carl Kessel um, run on the book gets followed by uh, the Joe Kelly run on the book gets followed by the Kevin Smith run on the book. And then it's just off to the races. Like everything else is just left in the dust after that Kevin Smith run. Right. Um, I'm guessing he won that feud with Roy Scheider. I assume so. Yes. At this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I guess, uh, last but not least, we have Loki to talk about this week. Sure. There was no art attacks, no nothing like that we have to cover? Nope. Nope. All right. 
So let me get my notes. Oh, and I want to just mention this. There's a tablet that I've used. Like I bought a, a bulk thing of tablets uh, about a year or so ago. Right. And I use it for any of the show notes that we do for any of the shows that I do. And uh, with this episode of Loki, I have filled an entire uh, 80 page or 70 page. My apologies. College ruled spiral notebook of notes. Uh, the first notes in here are for my mom's a werewolf when we were doing that for the Whoa. more Hero stuff. Yeah. Are you going to auction that off on our Patreon because you finished it on the Longbox Heroes? I, I do uh, keep all of the notebooks that I, I know you do. That's yeah, why I'm trying. I don't know. But... Make me an offer. Make me an offer. Yeah, if you want, you, hey, you want if, the set? Like, go high, man, you know? You want 70 pages of chicken scratch? It's all yours. Ma- tell me a number, right? Right. Do you have any of the old uh, the Chikara's, Chikara ones? I got Chikara books all the way back to, like, 2009, maybe? Start making offers on this show, not that other show. <laughs> Finishes, gates, oh. attendance, what oh. numbers we told the commission, all sorts of things. <laughs> who who got what pills, who brought what pills, <laughs> who was fighting over what powders. <laughs> I can't tell this story here, but Todd, there's a very famous story in regards to that. And I'll tell you when we're done here, off air. Okay. Um, do you want to start talking about low key, or do you do you want me to? I'm gonna let you because I'm gonna hit the mute button for a second. All right. So uh, this uh, episode of low key takes place right after the TVA blows up. It's done. It's gone. But somehow low key's still here. It's an empty building, and we start seeing all of these stories as we're being told of branched threads. And these are all of the people from the TVA, whether it be OB, whether it be Mobius, whether it be Sylvie, they're living the lives that they had before they were plucked from those to work at the TVA. Loki, though, knows what happened. They do not, except for Sylvie. And when she drops that bombshell on Loki, it's a really big moment of Loki in his mind is doing this to save the TVA and to save the world while all still dealing with his time slipping. But Sylvie says, you're not doing this for the world. You're not doing this for them. You're doing this for you. And gets Loki to admit that he's only doing this because he misses his friends, which I think is just as big as a revelation of Loki doing something selfless and trying to save the world by getting the TVA back together to admit to another person that not only does he have friends, but he misses them. It's a step. Definitely. Yes, it's a huge step for a character like this. Right, it wasn't the selfless act, but it's it's self selfless act adjacent, if you yes. will. It's like okay, I did I did it for the wrong. I want to do the right thing for selfish reasons, but that's that's character development. I'm with you. I'm one hundred percent on that. So Sylvie reads him the riot act about this. So. He's going to go back and he's going to tell everyone I'm going to send you back because he took because he has 
Obi, and I forget what his name is as the uh, sci-fi writer, the failed sci-fi writer, who right. very sadly I- is slipping his books into the bookstore. And trying to buy them is one of my favorite scenes in the bit. In the in the episode. it's a great bit, but it's so sad. It, it is, but I like when the 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 bookstore owner comes out and says, "I told you to stop doing it because the, the lady can't figure out why it won't scan." I was like, "This this is a funny bit," and then you said, "And then it becomes sad, and it just becomes sadder that he talks about like losing his wife to it all and everything." Um, but the wibbly wobbly where uh, Loki gives him the the book that Ob wrote. That is maybe Kang's or He Who Remains. It doesn't make much sense, but I I, I do like uh, of all of that. Obi's was the character like Mobius. He sold jet skis. Whatever we knew that was coming. You know, the one uh, lady was a doctor, but Obi's was the one that I was like most interested in. Right. So Sylvie convinces Loki to go back and take everyone back to their respective places on the timeline because with the um uh what was the the time pad the makeshift time pad that ob was able to make he was able to pull these people out of the timeline and essentially return them back to the original point as though they never left as though no one ever knew they were gone but as loki is going to do that Sylvie is going to her favorite record store. The guy has a record for her to listen to. She goes and puts it on. And then time just starts unraveling. That was like visually an amazing scene. I really like that as well. That might be like of the, of the, of the season, just like visually the best thing that they did and her running and the guy trying to save her and he's disappearing. And I've seen many people say this, that the spaghettification that they talk about isn't the way that works, but the visual is just fantastic. And she ends up going back to Loki and being like, you were right. We have to say this because now my world is gone. You know what I mean? And like, it's all going to fall apart. But visually, like with the, the record spinning and the whole room is going, I was like, Man, when somebody directs a scene really well, it just gets me right in my bacon-filled heart. (laughs) And that's what this is. And then, of course, Loki goes back and he misses the opportunity to send everyone back because he's too late. There's a delay. The time pad is missing. Uh, They blame. And again, I forget. Casey. His name is Casey, who was at Alcatraz. Right, because everyone has different names when they got plucked out of the timeline, right? Right. So he's accused of stealing it. And that delay allows time to unravel and Loki see everyone fade away. Um, And I just want to say, in that scene, him trying to hold on to the pieces that were falling apart was another powerful visual. Yes. But it's at this moment, this this moment of clarity, this moment of loss, this moment of sorrow that we're seeing Loki go through is when he finally figures out how to control his time slipping. And the episode ends with him time slipping to the end of episode four. Mm -hmm. And now he knows how to fix everything. Yep. 
And I do like that the whole overarching story with OB and Loki, where he's like, they have to figure out it's about the what or the why. That's the two words that they use. And in the end, Loki realizes it's not. And I, I just like the the writing, if you will. It's He goes, I figured it out. It's not about the what and it's not about the why. It's about the who. And it becomes like the people. And I'm like, you know what? Like, knock what you will. Maybe Loki didn't start off as the like season two. But like this episode, I thought all around, just really great. And do you think they're going to rewrite the Marvel Universe here, Joe? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're getting a clean slate kind of a deal, even though we have a movie coming out this week that snuck up on me. I don't think so. Okay. I definitely think they are going to attempt to fix some things. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're going to get a full clean slate from this, especially since the timing of everything that this is coming out literally the day before the Marvels comes out. Right. And with the writer's strike, we didn't have time to fix anything if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing about Loki is the episodes that have been great, like this one, have been great. And the episodes that have been good have been like, eh, good. Right. Mid, as the kids it, say. It's been very, you say that, I'm not a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been very uneven. But the parts that have been great have been, like, unbelievably great. Right. And it's just, it hasn't been super strong, but I recommend it because I think once it's done, you know, I see people saying this on online, that, like, if this was a movie, and obviously, you know, they, they say when you go to Disney Plus and the episode's there, and it says, like, the runtime is, like, 47 minutes, 52 minutes, like, seven to eight minutes of that is credits, Right. Right. If you just take like the bulk of the story, no recaps, no opening credits, no end credits, no anything else like that, you're probably pretty close to a three hour movie all said and done. I don't have the time to really crunch those numbers. Right. But if we sat down and watched this whole thing from beginning to end uninterrupted, I definitely think everything altogether, this is actually probably a series that is hurt by being serialized. They should have echoed this. They should have echoed this, that you binge watch the whole thing. Even if they did a thing where you get the first five episodes that gets us to this point that we just saw, and now you got to wait next week for the cliffhanger. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if people would be with that. They'd be like, if you put out five, give us six. Or what, if we, or what if we tell you there's five, Ooh, and you watch the five, and then it leaves you open-ended, and it's like, ah, six is next week. We, 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 we Sandman you? Yes. Where they did that, that it was like, oh, Sandman is eight episodes. Well, it's nine. No, wait, it's ten. <laughs> you know? So. Some people say copy and A, get an A. Mm-hmm. All right. It's almost like copy and A, get an A, or you echo it. It's one or the other. So This, this may end up having to be one of those deals um, to avoid spoilers on this, because typically I watch this stuff like the day before we record. Right. I watch it the Thursday it comes out. If the yeah. football game isn't one that I want to watch. <laughs> I, uh, listen, if I stop can, it. All right. I don't even need to open up that kettle of fish. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I might have to watch this, you know, just because Mar- the Marvels is this weekend. Um, shooting to go see it on Saturday so we can talk about it next week on the show along with the season finale of Loki. And then, again, I, I'm going to mention it here on the show, Todd. <laughs> 
Right, right. The next thing that we have a definitive date on right. is Aquaman 2. But that's not until like a month and a half from now. Right. And I, I and you know, we're doing the, I'm doing the bit where I say it's sneak up. I know the dates. I know the dates. But time passes so fast sometimes, Joe. I, I miss it. I don't know. Right. You know the dates, but you don't look at a calendar to see that that date is fast approaching. Well, the the thing is, it's in my mind of that date, yeah. but I don't like I don't go like it goes out of my mind. It's like, oh, when is Aquaman coming out? I'll know next week when Joe sends me the email. So then the the movie's coming out that week, and I'll be like, oh, that's right. When I see that's only five days away. It, it, it's basically I don't know how to say it. I'm 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 becoming very forgetful. I'm like you know like one of those goldfish. I have like a like a, an eight minute attention span anymore. Well, I, I always say to my kid, I shake my, my I'm like, a, my head's like an Etch-A-Sketch. I move my head and everything's just clear. Right. Um, but hey, you know what else is clear? This episode. We're done. Yes. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this was episode 683 of Longbox Heroes. Uh, I'm asking because I had to double check. Uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thank you all for listening. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.